Well, um, I'm going to read a scripture to you. I got something really, the Lord gave me, I was saying, Lord, I don't really know what to, you know, I haven't preached in a couple of weeks, and I did preach last week, but that was sort of a special message. It was what they call a seasonal message, which I am terrible at those kind of things, and thank God, you know, we only had a few minutes, because I always can't let, oh, Lord, please, I don't want to do no Christmas message, you know, I'm not good at those things, but, uh, so I was asking the Lord, like, well, I, Lord, I really need you to speak to me about what you want to say today, you know, because I feel like I don't want to waste my time or yours just trying to come up with something to say, but I want to have something from the Lord to say. And sometimes the Lord's kind of quiet about things like that. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes He's sort of silent. And so I pray for a few days, and, and, and the Lord, this is what the Lord said to me, you know what to say. And this is kind of crazy. The Lord gave me three messages instantly. I mean, in a moment, I had these three messages downloaded, and so I'm going to give you all three today. <laughs> Not really. That doesn't mean I have all those messages worked out on how to say them, but I know what God wants to say. And so this one is uh, it's out of the Song of Solomon, and it's really about a dream I had a long time ago, and it's a dream that has come true, most of it. But there's parts of the dream that hasn't come true yet. And I'm going to share the dream in a little bit, but I'm going to share how the dream, how I got the dream and what it really, what I feel like the Lord showed me about the dream. This dream's about almost 15 years old. And it sort of was like about the past 15 years of the life of this church. Of course, I didn't know that then. It was just dumb. And, but I wanted to read this scripture, uh, Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 5, verse 2. It, it says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. So this is a nighttime experience. First, I wanted to point out to you, because this, this is really an amazing thing. It's really not what I want to talk about, but I want to point it out. Is, is, is the Lord spoke to this woman and called her four things. He called her a sister. And see, all four of these things are really important to us in our journey with God, that, we, that God wants to relate to us in these four ways. First, He wants to relate to us as family, my sister. And, you know, that's how we get into the kingdom. We become a child. But a lot of people don't get that yet. It's only through a revelation of God as your Father that you really begin to understand in a more full way what it means to be a son or a daughter of God. And that is like the most critical revelation, I believe, you know, because a lot of people would say they're a child of God, but really when you begin to see God as your Father and really see that, you can begin to know yourself as a son or daughter. And you can begin to really know who you are as a person. You can begin to, your identity begins to get uncovered. There's no other way, really, for that to happen in your life. And so many of the Christians out here in the, in the body of Christ really lack a revelation of God as their father. They don't see him as a father. They may see him theologically as a father, but I'm going to tell you, seeing something theologically will not change your life. It's only by revelation. And it's a revelation that Jesus said that he wanted to give us, that he desires. He says, that's what he said in Matthew, uh, John 14. Have you been with me so long you haven't seen me? He who's seen the Father 
He who's seen me has seen the Father. Because they were saying, Philip was saying, show us the Father. Show us the Father. See, that's the cry of every heart there is. That's ever been created deep down in your heart. There's this deep down cry about the Father. You may not be aware of it until God makes it real to you. But when he makes it real to you, he will make himself real to you. And I pray that God would put that hunger in your hearts to know him in that way. Because that's how Christ wants to know us. He wants first to know us as that he is our older brother. He is the firstborn of many. And he wants to relate to us in that way. He wants us to know the Father. It'll change your life. It will wreck your life. It will revolutionize your life. The other one is uh, my love. And I believe that can speak, you know, obviously it speaks of friendship. You know, that God wants to relate, he wants to have a friendship with us. Uh, that's how it, John, in John five nineteen and 20, where Jesus said, I only do what the Father uh, does, and the Father's going to show me more what he does because he loves me. That word love there is not agape love, it's friendship love. In other words, that's how we begin to connect with God, and God begins to reveal himself, is when, we begin to know, when he begins to say, I no longer call you just a servant, I want you to know me as, as a friend. And, you know, if you have friends, I mean, dear friends, you love your friends, right? I mean, I love, I got some friends that I really love. I mean, I really care about them. I love them. When, I, when they're in trouble, I agonize over them and agonize with them. And so God wants to reveal that to us. He wants to, and of course, there's the intimacy, the other aspect, the closeness that God wants to bring us into. That's a hard thing for people to talk about, uh, you know, this intimacy and this closeness with the Lord. But this, that's how we grow with God. We, glow, we have the opportunity to grow closer to Him or, or we grow further from Him. That's what your Christian life is. Either you're growing closer to the Lord or you're growing further away from the Lord. There's no, no standstill with, with the Lord. And I think one of the keys that is, is knowing that you're loved. So many people don't really believe that God really loves them. They believe it from a perspective of God so loved the world. Right? But so many people don't have that personal experience of God loving them. And they're, they're lovable. I'm telling you, deep in your heart, there's a question that has to be answered. Am I lovable? Every human being has that question. Because there's a suspicion in most people's heart that they're not lovable. There's a hidden suspicion. You look at other people, you think about other people, you see what they're doing, you see how they're blessed, you see how they love the Lord, and you wonder about yourself. You wonder, what's wrong with me? Why am I not blessed? Why is not God not doing this for me? Why, why do they worship like that and I don't? You see, it back down, if you go deep enough in your heart, you'll find out there's the question. Am I lovable? Do I really measure up? Am I worth something? Does God really care about me? And that's, that's what, what the Lord wants to do. Is he wants to convince us that we are lovable. I pray that y'all would, if y'all have never faced that about yourself, if you've never faced that question and answered that question, allow God to answer that question for you, I, I pray you would. Because you will be hindered. Uh, let me just say this. This is what it did to me as a young believer. I did not feel like I was lovable. And it made me, it drove a wedge in my heart between me and the church. Because I felt like I couldn't measure up. And it wasn't what they were preaching and what they were saying. It was coming out of me. 
And it made me want to pull away. It really, it really made me want to pull away from God because I didn't feel like I measured up to him. I didn't feel like I was worthy to be loved. There was something wrong with me. I had this thought in my mind, there's something wrong with me. And God had to convince me, there's nothing wrong with you. I love you. And he had to convince me personally. He, and I want to say this. I love what the Bible teaches. I believe in theology. Everybody should believe in it because we all have a theology where we believe it or not. But that never helped me. It never helped me for somebody to tell me God loved me. I had to get God to tell me that. I had to get God to show me that. And when he began to reveal that to me, and I received it, that's when there's a change begin to start happening in my life. Are y'all getting this? And the last one is, you know, he calls her my perfect one. I'm spending more time on this than I really had thought about doing. But, you know, here's something Bob Jones said that really blew, blew my mind the first time he ever said it. You are perfect while being perfected. You are perfect while being perfected. In other words, right now, Romans 8.1, that's what it says, you are perfect in God's eyes. He sees you perfect. He doesn't look at you and see all your problems and all your faults and all your issues. No, He sees the finished product. And that's what the Lord wants to say to people. Yes, I am perfecting you. Yes, I am working in your life. Yes, I am renewing you and transforming you. But the way I really see you is you're already there. And when he says that to you, when he begins to say it, he's calling that out in you. You see what I'm saying? He's, he's drawing that out in you. He's trying to pull that where you begin to see yourself the way he sees you. And all four of these are the way the Lord looks at us. He looks at us as a sister. He looks at us as family, that we belong to him. And he's with us because we're family. And we're going to stick it out together. And, I, and he looks at us that, that I love you. You're loved. You're valuable. You're important. And see, when we begin to believe this, it can radically transform your life. Radically. Radically. And when you believe that you are perfect in His eyes, that's what the Bible teaches. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what it teaches. So we can get over this trying to measure up and climb the spiritual ladder and be something. Before God. Like, well, if I just get to this level, I'm great. No, you already are. You don't have to get to a level. Just be. Be who He says you are. Quit, quit listening to that voice in here that tells you you're not. That's the voice of the liar. That's the voice of the deception. And that's really what we really need. We need an impartation of that. And we're always going to need more impartation. I'm not saying I've got it all. <laughs> Trust me. Anyways, thank you, Lord, right? Let me pray right quick, because I, I tell you something. I would rather you to get an impartation. I don't really care that you hear a teaching. I like an impartation. You know, that's what, when I'm listening to preachers, I'm listening to the, the impartation part. There's always, when you get a guy who's preaching, or a girl, that's really listening to the Lord, there's a point in what they say where it's like God saying, that's what I'm trying to put into people's heart. All the rest of it is just sort of scaffolding around that one thing. And if, if you could get this as an impartation in your heart today, something could start happening in your life. So, Lord, I pray that. I pray for the impartation right now that we would begin to know ourselves as sons and daughters. We know love, Lord. We know that we're worthy and we measure up, Lord. 
without a doubt, Lord. Lord, oh, I didn't say about the dove, did I? I skipped the dove. Sorry about the dove. You know what the dove, in, in the natural, doves mate, they have one mate. They ain't running around. Well, I could say a bad word. I almost said it. I should, I'll be careful. It starts with a W. It's what people do when they're not faithful to their mate. Well, see, the Lord is calling for, you know, in the Bible, it says, and I think it's a uh, Roman, uh, it's either Revelations 14, 17 or 17, 14. It says, those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. And see, God looks at us and says, you're faithful. It ain't me trying to be faithful. It's an impartation from heaven where he looks into our eyes and says, you're faithful. You're my faithful one because you're going to be with me. Now, that's really what he wants to do. Lord, impart that to us. If you're kind of a backslider this morning, you know, well, the Lord says, no, you're faithful. You start believing you're faithful and you'll quit that backsliding thing will get off of you. It really will. It'll get off of you because the truth will set you free. God wants to set people free with the truth. And, you know, Becky and I were talking about this morning. A lot of people are afraid of the truth. They're afraid of the truth. But with the Lord, the truth always comes wrapped in mercy. I'm telling you, He does not come slinging and slamming and jamming and busting people's head with the truth. He comes with mercy. It's wrapped in mercy. It's a gift. And when we begin to get the truth, the truth sets us free. It liberates us. See, we've got to change the way we think about this. And I'm just getting off on all this. I could just go on and on and on because I love this. Because this kind of thinking, this kind of revelation changed my life. It changed my relationship with the Lord. It changed everything about me. Even made me a better husband. Right, Becky? <laughs> Sometimes. Anyways, thank you, Lord. So we're moving on. So what I really want to talk about, I, I, I want to tell you this. Our body sleeps, but our spirit, our soul, is always awake. Okay, now I want you to get that. That's what, that's what she said. I sleep, but my heart is awake. Now, I want you to know this, that God does not waste one moment of our lives. Now, that's important for all, and I think we'd all believe that. Nothing's a waste with God, not one moment of your day. And since you spend approximately one-third of your life sleeping, that one-third of your life is really important to the Lord. Okay? That one-third of your life, God is, is mightily at work. In fact, I have found God to be more mightily at work in my sleep than in my daytime. I've discovered a lot of things about sleeping and about what God does at nighttime while I sleep. And the reason I discovered it, well, first it's in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. The next thing is because I asked God about it. Because I found myself in a time where my nights were robbed from me. My sleep was robbed from me. And I found myself full of anxiety. And I found a lot of demonic activity in my life in the dark. And I needed to find out what does God have to say about this. And I discovered a few things. I'm, I just want to tell you a few, a couple of things. First, it says, uh, Psalm 16, verse 7. This is what David said. David understood this. David had a great understanding of this. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart, listen to this, my heart also instructs me 
in the night season. My heart instructs me. Now, this is what this means. Every one of you, whether you realize it or not, dreams. Every human being dreams. I'm just talking about on the natural plane, medical science has proven that. Have you ever heard of rapid eye movement, REM sleep? Well, that's the dream state. And the reason your eyes are moving, they're in a dream. They're seeing things. Okay? That's what's going on, is your eyes are dreaming. Now, a lot of people can't remember their dreams. So in the natural, I'm talking about this natural state of dreaming. What is happening, the way God designed us, is during the day, our conscious mind and all the activity around us keeps us from getting in touch with our subconscious mind. And our subconscious mind, while we're asleep, see, our mind is basically in a shutdown mode. And so our subconscious mind can begin to communicate. David says, my heart, okay, begin to communicate. And what people, what they've proven this, I'm talking, this is medical science. They've proven this. A lot of people, that's what's happening with you while you sleep is you're working through issues in your life. And a lot of those dreams are about things going on in your life, okay? Relationships, tough problems. You've heard the statement a lot, and I've used it a lot, I need to sleep on that. Because when you sleep, your mind gets out of the way, your heart, the inner parts of it can begin to talk to you and instruct you. God's using in that to instruct you and teach you about what's... That's why it's really important when you get in bed at night to take a moment. Take a moment and talk to God about what's going to happen to you over the next few hours. If you'll start doing that, you will start remembering dreams and situations. Are y'all following this so far? Okay, now let me read Job 33, uh, 14 through 17. It's, it says, For God may speak in one way or in another. Well, that's an awesome way, thing, right? Yet man does not perceive it. In other words, what Job was saying, this is way, you know, this is way back. God's talking, but we don't get it. I believe God's talking all the time with, to us. In fact, the, the spiritual world is full of chatter. It's full of noise, heavenly noise, God talking, God communicating. But man doesn't always catch it. We don't always perceive it. But when you tap into it, you'll know it's God. I'll tell you that because there's this flow that happens. And there's a flow of information that can come to you. that will come right into your mind from heaven. And you'll begin to know stuff you can't know. I've had it happen a bunch of times. And I can tell when it's just my thinking and when it ain't my thinking because they're completely different. And it's there. It's like I used to call it the, the supernatural, spiritual, the spiritual supernatural highway, like the you know, World Wide Web. It's like that. There's a spiritual equivalent where all this, this flow of God information is flowing in this room right now whether you know it or not. There's a flow of God, of God information. I'm not even saying what I'm saying. I'm saying it's already here apart from, from what we're saying. It's heavenly in nature. But and God has designed us to be able to tap into it. Okay? It's His voice. that we've been, But we don't because we, we've in a fallen state most of the time. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then He opens the ears of men. In other words, God knows he can begin to talk to people while they sleep because their mind and their foolish beliefs that are hindering them from hearing him are not at work. Okay? See, a lot of people have a theology about God that hinders them from hearing God. 
So God says, well, that's fine. Have your theology. When you go to bed tonight and go to sleep, I will I'll slide in the back door and start talking to you somehow. But you may not perceive it. Well, that ain't no fun. I mean, I want to hear when God talks to me. Okay? Whilst learning, he opens their ears and seals their instructions. God's just a merciful God. He does this for everybody. He really does. For all mankind, in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. Let me just tell you, one of the problems people have is a lot of, what we're talking about, truth. A lot of people don't want to face themselves. They don't want to face the deep things inside of them. And so one of the things that God does while we sleep is He brings those things up. Okay? Like if you are deceptive, whatever. Whatever it is that you don't want to face about yourself, God, if you're full of fear, if, you're, if you've got judgment or criticism in your heart, if you're backslidden in your heart, in your dreams, God will bring those things up to you to, to help you deal with those things. And He does that for all men. Are y'all following this? So, I mean, that's sort of what, how God operates. Now, there are trespassers that come into our dreams the, called the devil. The devil will get into your dream life. But here's what the Lord showed me years ago about that, is we can discern between right and wrong. He's given us that ability. And the de- even though the devil's a good counterfeiter, he's a very good counterfeiter, but he's not perfect. And so what God showed me about my dreams, how do I know what's of God and what is not, is there's, when the devil brings a dream to you, there's always going to be one little thing in there that's not right. And if you'll pay attention to it, you can identify that one thing. He might come disguised as an angel of light, but he's got a piece of darkness somewhere on him that God will let you see. Because God's interested in this. He's very interested in this. So you don't have to sit around being afraid about dreams and worried about the devil Tricking you. Sometimes just the way the devil does it, he brings anxious thoughts to you at night. Worry. and stress. How many people suffer with that? Anybody suffer at night like you get stressed out? And, you know, like you lay down in bed. Like I laid down in bed last night, and the first thought that came to me after I, lay, after I pray, Lord, you know, I really want to hear from you tonight. And anything, you want, anything you want to say, Lord, tell me. You know, so I lay there. The first thought that comes to me is like, I got all this text stuff to do at church. And my heart started pounding when I thought that. Then I thought, wait a minute. That's not the Lord. I do have all this tax stuff to do, but I've got a month to do it. I don't have to sit here tonight and be thinking about this and staying awake, fretting over something. Because it's almost like when you worry about something, it's like you're doing it twice. Right? You worry about it, and you're all tore up about it emotionally, and then you go do it, and you're all tore up again doing it. So I decided I'm not going to worry about it. Because I don't need to do it twice. I need to do it one time during the daylight, you know. Come over here when nobody's around so nobody will hear me crying and, you know, thrashing. <laughs> Becky said she's going out of town. <laughs> yeah. But here's, here's all I want to, this is what I learned about this, okay. You know, in the garden, Jesus dri- uh, ble- uh, sweated drops of blood. And so it's, it's the, our mental thing that he wants to cover in the blood. You know, and so when we begin to get fretful, we can remember that the blood of Christ can come upon us psychologically in our emotions and just appeal to it. Like, Lord, you bled in the garden. You sweated that so I wouldn't psychologically just get wore out here, you know, and spend, be up half the night or three-quarters night and get up the next day and have to trudge through the day miserable. You know, that's, that's not the heart of the Father. And so the blood of Christ is very sufficient when we begin to allow it to work 
on our, our emotions and our mind, our thinking. I mean, seriously, y'all. I'm telling you something that will help you if you'll do it. Now, here's the thing about it. Like I said, when I get in bed, one thing I would encourage you to do about watching television is stop watching bad stuff on TV. Uh, you know, violence, you know, sexual scenes, all that stuff, even if it's just in your windows, that stuff is not good for you. And so if you're watching that stuff right before you go to bed, it's going to affect you. In fact, you probably shouldn't be watching it anyway. I don't tell you the truth. I mean, and I'm not legalistic about it, but I just feel like there's some things we expose ourselves to. Yeah, that we shouldn't because it's going to hurt us. It's not about legalism and rules. It's about don't be so dumb to watch sex on television and think it's not going to do something to you or violent, some violent act. And you know what? I love, I love war stuff, movies, you know, shoot them up, cowboy. I loved all that stuff. But there's some violence that's hideous. There's some violence on television that's absolutely demonic and hideous. And you need to be careful about it. So one thing I try to do is like, you know, when I get in bed, I try to dial down. And if there's anything that I've seen or thought about during the day, I try to get it off of me. I have found, you know, a lot of people are like, let's get up in the morning and read the Bible. Reading the Bible is a good thing or a devotion or a Christian book. Just a few, few sentences, something to kind of clear your heart. As you go, to, I'm just telling you things that I do that really help me because I'm intentional about what's going on in my sleep. And so being intentional towards the Lord and then laying there and just not going right to sleep, but laying there and just take a few moments to talk to God like, Lord, you know, tonight I want to hear from you. Tonight I want you to speak to me. And I always say, Lord, whatever you want to talk to me about, whatever, I'll talk to you about anything, even if it's not something, and the Lord will, the Lord will do that. All right, so there's another level of dreams. Are y'all good? I really didn't mean to get into this much detail, but there's another level of dreams that I call dreams for people who are living the spirit-filled life. I'm not talking about dreams for prophets who dream because they're prophets. I'm talking about if you live a spirit-led life, if God is in your life and you, there's another level that are like prophetic dreams. These dreams are not just typical dreams about your, your issues, Lots of times they can be about people around you, about your, like your family. You know, where God reveals stuff to you about your children or your grandchildren or, or your mom or dad. Some, you, know, the, you know, dreams where God gives you information. They're a higher level of dreaming in a sense. They're not just about you and you working through your heart. They're the things that God's speaking and saying, listen, your son is in trouble. This is what's going on in his life. And he begins to reveal things or this is what you need to do to your little baby because the baby's sick, do this, and the baby will be healed. And a lot of people have gotten dreams. You know, I was telling you about Philip, my son, is big into hunting. And he bought a bow. I hate to tell you how much it costs. I mean, I've already said it. It costs $1,500. <laughs> it's a compound bow. But the guy who designed the bow got the design in a dream from God. God gave this man a design for this compound bow. I don't know enough about all this stuff to know anything except for don't touch that bow. <laughs> Feel it kill you over it. Because he said, Dad, people who don't know anything about bows will dry fire a bow. They don't know it or ruin it. You know, you just pull back on it and let go of it. These kind of bows are high strung. You know, you got to have a, some kind of piece of energy, a bear in it to release the energy. But, but the guy got this design in a dream. So God can do, it, it can be all kinds of things. 
where God speaks to you about things. And see, God wants to do that. I really believe he, that's something he's really interested in doing. Is just getting us from the dreams about fixing me and my problems to getting me to, like, my family's got issues. I need this address. I got finances. This is what I need to do. This is how I need to invest my money. Or, you know, I, I had some dreams like when some of the banks melted down. I saw Wachovia Bank on fire burning downtown Charlotte. That was before it had that big meltdown. Well, I was just dumb as everything. God, I hope the fire trucks get there, you know. But it wasn't a literal fire. It was a financial meltdown. That's when, uh, what was the other bank? That, no, Wells Fargo took over them and bailed them out. And I had a dream, you know, when that hurricane came and there was no gas. I saw no gas from Charlotte to Fort Mill. And I literally, literally was driving down in Fort Mill and saw a man walking up the exit with a gas can in his car, thinking he was going to get these gas station, and they were all had no gas. There was no gas. And see, that doesn't, that doesn't make me credit. That means that God is trying to reveal things that will happen in the future. John 14, 29 says, He will show you things that are to come so that you may exercise faith in that direction. And God wants to reveal and I was asking, why did you show me this? He wants to reveal things to us in dreams about the future. Uh, thank you, Doug. Which one was that? Why don't you tell him? Well, this is uh, really something. You know, we just had a premature grandson, totally unexpected. But um, this is really what Byron's talking about. I don't like to get stuff. And it, you know, but it really probably saved our grandson's life. I saw, before Grace went into labor, I saw a pregnancy, and I saw something in the womb that was threatening the baby. And, um, and I didn't know it was Grace. I didn't want to believe it was her because she's been through so much. I thought, surely not another problem. But we began to pray anyway. Well, she, her water broke at 28 weeks, went into labor, and he was born. And, um, and then after he was born, great, doing well, uh, just doing fabulous. But I was starting to get these other dreams and visions of uh, of really Grace weeping that she'd lost him. This is in the middle of him doing great and great praise reports and began to pray over that. And sure enough, he had the worst infection that premature babies can get that takes him out. It's called a neck. And so, you know, these things are meant for us to pray, you know. And so that's when I knew how serious it was. I had people on that Facebook. I just, I knew that we were in a battle for his life at that point. And you guys came alongside, went to war with us. Because, see, it was coming from the Lord showing, giving us direction about how to pray. And we just found out um, the lab report came back on her placenta. She had a infection in that placenta. That's what I was seeing, you know, before this ever even happened. Isn't this wild? And so it was really the Lord. She went into labor early. Or that baby would have been totally, he was just really at threat. Isn't that amazing? So... So, this is not some ridiculous, charismatic foolishness, okay? This is real. This is how God wants to help us, okay? And um, so, I want to encourage you about your nights. First of all, I want to encourage you to take your nights seriously and begin to ask the Lord and, t- and give God a chance to speak to you in your dreams, 
and speak to you as you lay on the bed. Some of it he may reveal to you in a dream and let you consciously remember it. Some of it, it just may work in your life. Because you know what? I'm good when God doesn't, I don't have a dream, I don't know about it. I'm, I'm good that I know that God has worked in my heart through the night. He's worked in my heart because I'm saying, I want you to do that. You instruct my heart. You, the Word says it. You want to work in my life. You want to do something as I sleep. You don't want me to lay up here scared. You don't want to lay up, me to lay up here worried. You don't want me to lay up here vile in my thinking, in my dreams. You want to do something. So giving him that opportunity will make a big difference. So now, the whole, I was really, this is the part I wanted to tell y'all about. I didn't really want to get into all that. Uh, so I had this dream Back around 2001, I think. Okay, I'm not really good on dates like some people are. They can tell you the second, you know, this is where the clock was, the moment this happened. I don't I kind of, everything runs together in my life. But the dream had three parts to it. Okay, and I call it a Song of Solomon dream because of the last part. And let me tell you the first part. The first part was this. In the dream, there was a woman in this church. Oh, I should woman. Right, this just, there's a person in this church. And the Lord told me in the dream, that person has a demon. And this is the kind of demon they have. And I, just, I'm going to just tell you what I did about that part of the dream. I thought, oh, God, I go talk to this person about this demon. That's going to go over really good. The pastor wants to talk to you, and they're going to tell you you have a demon. They're going to love me or hate, you know, or hate me. So I went to the woman and talked to her and said, well, this is what the Lord showed me. Please pray about it. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I need to tell you this because I believe when the Lord speaks to me, I'm going to act on it. If I'm off on it, cool, I want to learn. And I said, the Lord showed me you have a demon, and this is what it is. And she said, she looked right at me and said, you're right. I was wondering what that was. Wow. So what she said to me, I was wondering what that was. Amen. And so I prayed with her, the Lord to break that demon out of her life, and he did. And I don't, I don't care about your theology about demons and Christians. I ain't going to get into that. I'm just telling you what the Lord showed me. I'm telling you that woman got free, and she told me I'm free from that thing. Amen. You know, so forget theology. Just for, God did something for somebody. I don't know all that. You know, that was the first part of it. The second part of the dream was this. I was at my house with Becky and I, and the Lord, we knew the Lord was coming to our house, and we were scared to death. We were scared because you would be scared if God was going to show up at your house. And the Lord put me out on the deck and said, wait here while I visit Becky. <laughs> and so I went back inside and tried to comfort Becky because she was scared. Like, the Lord's going to visit you. And I went back out there and I waited the period of time and I knew I could go back inside. When I did, Becky stood up and she was on fire. And that was the end of the dream. That part, that was the second part. That happened. I feel like in 2006, God poured His Spirit out here. You see, Becky represented the church. And see, when God does something, it ain't about a person doing it. See, that's what the whole point was. Is you're not doing this. I'm doing this. You stay out of the way. When God moves, if you're a leader, the best thing you can do is say, let me know when I'm supposed to do something. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be over here enjoying it. If I'm supposed to do something, I'll do it. But the worst thing you can do is try to do something when God's doing something. He's saying, uh 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 this ain't your time. That's what leaders need to learn. Leaders need to learn this. This is what they need to learn. God's moving. Lord, what do you want me to do? Nothing. Just stay out of my way. Or, you know what? Get up and do something. What do you want me to do? Just whatever's in your heart. I mean, you have to learn to flow with God like that. Well, that was a time, and I believe that has really come true 
on lots of levels, and I believe it's, I think there's another round coming. Third part of the dream, this is where we're at, okay? Third part of the dream was this. It was dark. And the Lord said, go to this person's house, another person in this church, go to this house and tell them there's a visitation coming. So I went to their house. It was in the middle of the night. I knocked on the door, and they said, do not come in here. And I said, I'm just here to tell you the Lord's coming. Go away. And so this is what the Lord, and I was saying, Lord, you know, well, at the time, I didn't know even what any of this meant. It was just like, what the heck does any of this mean? I knew what the first one meant, but the second two, I didn't. Well, looking back, I believe, I believe the third part is where we're at now. Okay, this is what I believe. I believe there's a, been a move of the Lord, and then there's been a darkness that has come. We've gone through a darkness. Okay? We've gone through a dark. We've gone through a trying time in this church past few years. Real trying time. And what happens to people, and what has happened to a lot of people, is although they really love the Lord, but their hearts are shut down. This person that I went to their house, that's exactly how I describe this person to, to this day. Is that person loves the Lord, but their heart's shut down right now. And they don't really, they, they, got this, they got this kind of feeling when you get around them. This is how I feel. They've got this at me. I wanted to read this. Are you all okay? Yeah. Everything got serious, didn't it? <laughs> this is what she said in verse 3. The Lord knocked. I've taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? And I think that's what the Lord, you know, that's a question that needs to be answered. In other words, I've, I went with what God was doing. I'm not going to put it back on again. I, you know, I don't feel like doing How can I do that? And I think that's for a lot of people in this room. I have washed my feet. How can I defile them again? Are y'all all right? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. See, this is not, we're not talking about bad people here. We're not talking about messed up. We're talking about people whose heart has been shut down. Let me read this thing about what it says in the, uh, the, the passion, passion, passion Translation. This is what it says in verse 2. After this, I let my devotion slumber. But my heart for him stayed awake. I let my devotion slumber. That's a picture of a lot of Christians. They have a heart for the Lord, but their devotion for the Lord is not there. I've heard people leaving their wife say, I really love her, but they were no longer devoted to her. Are are y'all getting this? And so I think that's what darkness brings. Difficult times bring that to us. It brings this thing where we're not, we love the Lord. We care about the Lord. We want the Lord. We're reading the Bible. We're praying. We're, we're trying to serve the Lord, or maybe not. But our heart, our devotion to Him is really shut down. And when He comes at the time, in the unexpected time, to say, I'm here, we're saying, uh, no, I've already done that. I've been there, done that. You know what? I don't really need that no more. My, it's like when the Lord came and gave us this word about God wants to awaken the dreams again. The first, that was my first thing to him. I'm good, Lord. 
I don't need those dreams no more. And he was saying, no, I, I really want you to have these dreams. I told the Lord, I don't want what you're offering. That was my first response. That was the response right here. God comes after we've been disappointed and discouraged in our life, okay, and we've gone through a time of loss in the darkness, and he's come to see if we are willing to open our hearts and open our lives back up to him and say, Lord, I don't, I've gone through some difficulties. I've gone through some loss. I've gone through some hurt. But I'm for, I want in on whatever you're doing. I'm, I'm, my heart's still a yes. I'm still devoted to what you're doing. Are y'all getting this? Let me read this. My beloved put his hand on the latch of the door and my heart yearned for him. I rose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, which is, you know, a spice that was in the anointing oil. It was the first ingredient. It's also a burial spice. It's also a perfume in the Bible. But the first time it was mentioned is when they made the anointing oil. They put this myrrh in it. And so that's what she was smelling was the anointing of the Lord. And, you know, my fingers was... My, my hands drip with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. Whatever the Lord touches, the lock is your heart, of course. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. Now, here's the truth. I want to tell you this. If I've learned anything about God in my life is this. is when God shows up, there is an opportune moment. You don't discard it because you're doing something else. You don't say to God, well, that's really great that you're moving, but I don't have time for that right now because of this, this, and this. I'm more involved in my ministry over here, Lord. Or I'm more involved with my family. Or I'm, more, I'm telling you, God supersedes everything because when God shows up, that's the precious moment. And those precious moments don't always last like it shows here. Now, he comes back with another precious moment, I promise you that. But God has these moments in time where he reaches to us. Are y'all getting this? He reaches out to us. And, if, and he wants us to respond. To, like every drop of oil from heaven is precious. There is no drop of oil from heaven that I don't need to stop. Like Moses when he was in the desert. He stopped what he was doing and said, wait a minute. And, and burning bushes were common in the desert. Some call it spontaneous combustion. But that one wasn't burning up. And he, something, well, there's something different about this. He could have just said, ah, oh, that, that thing's got some thick branches. It's going to keep burning. No, he stopped. He stopped what he was doing. He stopped what he was doing. Are y'all all right? Y'all looking at me like y'all mad? <laughs> anyway, let me finish. Lord, have mercy. Said, I opened for my blood, but he'd gone, and my heart leaped up when he spoke. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Lord, where are you? What are you doing, Lord? What happened? I've been there so many times. And then it says, These watchmen went about the city, found me, they struck me, they wounded me. Well, you know, in those days, the reason they did that, I just want to tell you so you'll know from a historical perspective. In those days, watchmen, they had people up watching the city. And if anybody was out at night when they shouldn't be, it's sort of like curfew. We don't want y'all out here. Don't be coming out here because we're watching out for the enemies that want to come in and steal and rob your house and beat you up and thieves. So they assumed this woman was a prostitute because only prostitutes would be out roaming around a woman that night. That's why they beat her. And she got mistaken for something. 
that she really wasn't. That's that's really the the background. I always just like, why did they beat her, man? I mean, the watchmen are supposed to be good guys. They were good guys. They were doing their jobs. We're going to beat your f- f- fanny, and you will not come back out here again. You won't show back up. We need because we don't need to be distracted with foolishness because there's problems out here at night. I remember when I was in Cuba, they actually had watchmen in the neighborhoods. You know, where they these were citizens that would watch the neighborhoods for people because there was so much crime there. That they had to, you know, had citizens watching because, you know, the government couldn't do much. But thank you, Lord, for that. The keeper of the wall took my veil away from me. And then she said, Lord, I charge you, O daughters, and if you find my beloved, tell that you tell him I'm lovesick. So the dream, you know, the reason I talked about the dream was I believe that's where we're at in those three dreams. I feel like the other two have been at least partially. The first two parts have been partially fulfilled, and the third part has been partially fulfilled. The part that I am trying to say to you is I think we're in the time where God is, there's going to be a visitation from the Lord. Just like I said, God's going to visit. Now, it's going to be up to you. Now, it's your turn to respond to the Lord. Is God, are you going to, you're a good person. You love the Lord. I'm not trying to put anything on anybody. I think you're awesome. But I think a lot of people's devotion for the Lord is questionable right now. It's questionable. And only you can answer that question. It's between you and God. And that's really what I feel like I wanted to say, you know, about going forward is, 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 is awaken your devotion. Don't just say, yeah, I love the Lord, I care about but your devotion to Him. Because when you're devoted to something... When you're devoted to something, you give your energy, you give your focus, you give your attention to that thing. You know, you, that's what you do. You go after it. You make it a priority in your life. And I feel like that's what God wants us to do. I mean, to, I know He does me because I don't want to be having a dream that I get disqualified from, you know, for all of us. So that was, that's really what I feel like the Lord was wanting for me to share this morning. So, amen, right? So, at least go to bed. When you get in bed tonight, talk to the Lord about your night. And ask Him to take, that you want Him to begin to work in your nights and begin to talk to you in your nights. I will say this, that first dream, that had the dream about the woman, that released like this thing in me that had been shut down for years about dreams about people. And I have dreams about people all the time. And I think I've said this a few times. If I have a dream about you, I've got a 100% batting accuracy on it that it happened. I'm serious. I'm not, that has nothing to do with me. That's God. That's God. God just communicating his heart for a person. And I, I do. here's what I do with every dream that God gives me. If it's about a person, I at least ask the Lord, what am I supposed to do with this dream? Am I supposed to talk to this person about it? Or am I just supposed to pray? You know, pray for them. You know, but I do something with it. That's the key is doing it. And, if, and in my experience, the more you do, the more God gives you, and the more flow will be in your life. So let me pray for you, okay? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I had this dream last night, and I was here at church, and the church was full. 
And Becky started walking down the aisle, and to me, it rep- she represented the bridegroom because I felt like I was at a wedding. And I was sitting there, and she stopped, and she looked at me, and this just love came out of her. I believe she represented Christ, and there was something in me that I felt lacking. But when she looked at me, that love just flowed into me, and I felt completed. And I think sometimes we in this room feel like there's a lack in us, but it's only looking to Jesus that can meet that place in your life and feel that place in your heart so that you know that you are his beloved. So I just want to encourage you today to respond to that, respond to ask the Lord for those dreams, but really respond to knowing that you are his beloved because our mind will tell us that we're really not or we're lacking, but he says you are. Okay. Well, Father, I just thank you today, Lord, that we're only here because you've drawn us, Lord. We're only here today, Father. It's not by our own might or our own strength, but we're only here today because you love us so much, Father, that you gave your only son, your only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should have everlasting life, Lord. You're the giver of life. You're the sustainer of life, Lord God. Lord, when you look on us, Lord, we become perfect in your sight, Lord. Lord God, I, I pray today, Lord, that you would Lord, impart to us more dreams, Lord, more visions, Lord God, that everyone in this room, Lord, everyone has a purpose, has a gifting, has a calling, Lord, everyone in this room. There's not one, Lord, that you don't look on their heart and see them completed in your sight, Lord God. Lord, this word today was not for an elect few, but it was for me, the least of these, Lord God. And I just pray today, Lord God, that hearts would begin responding and knowing, Lord God, your love today. Lord, I know, Lord, when the sheep's lost, Lord God, you said you would leave the 99 and go after the one that was lost today, Lord God. So I just thank you today for your perfect love, your perfect love. Your love's perfect, Lord God. It's perfect, Lord God. Lord, I just welcome that perfect love. I ask, Lord Jesus, that we would respond today to your perfect love, Father, in Jesus' name. That was good, wasn't it? So can we get the ministry team to come up and want to offer prayer for anything for you this morning to end the year, praying for you and blessing you and encouraging you in the Lord. And I just encourage you to go and have those dreams of God in your life and let God breathe into your dreams. Everybody say, God, breathe into my dreams. Yeah, and bring life to those dreams. I believe that's what the Lord's going to do. And I want to bless you and just miss you. And if you want prayer, come up. If you want to just hang out, that would be awesome. Uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Rhonda, for sharing that awesome word. That was good. And that was a perfect ending. So y'all come on up if you want prayer and, or just do whatever you want.